CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. Again, that's 1 888 Ask CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you, as we always are, every weekday afternoon at this time, as we set this time aside, especially to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events, and what we hear in church. And if you've been reading your Bible on your own, come across something, got a question, someone's asked you a question, hey, that's why we're here for you. Just give us a call. Got some lines open, 8888-ASK. CSN's the number to call, and you can be part of the program today. Joining me today, special guest and featured CSN speaker, Morning Times here on the CSN Radio Network, Daryl Skinner from Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, right there by Honolulu, a chosen generation. Hi, and welcome, Daryl. Aloha, Mike, and aloha to all the listeners out there. It's great to be on with you and on to every man and answer, the great team you have over there at uh, CSN. You know, Mike, I was totally blessed as I spoke at your church, uh, River Christian Fellowship, this past Sunday, uh, blessed with a, a beautiful congregation of people and, and also the staff. They uh, were just great hosts to my wife and I. And we had also three guests with us uh, from Boise, Idaho, that joined us. And we just had a, a just a fantastic time in your church, and it was just such a great blessing. Just want to encourage folks, if you live nearby and you're not going to any other fellowship, join them in fellowship at 10 o'clock on Sundays, and I know they're going to be, uh, as I just said, super blessed. So it was a great time, and thank you for inviting me, and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. God is working. God is doing a great work, not only in the church, that River Christian Fellowship, but also through uh, Calvary, uh, excuse me, uh, the CSN's uh, Christian Satellite Network, and it's doing a great job. So uh, keep up the good work, everybody there at the at this station and, yeah, and what's building, going on. Yeah, we're just building a whole lot of new stations, and we're— yes. uh, Sending out a, a kind of a newsletter to let people know where our new stations are coming in. And uh, we're going to try, the Lord willing, uh, don't know how much time we've got, but as long as we've got, we're going to try to, we're shooting for somewhere around uh, 40 to 50 new stations next year. Yes. And uh, so uh, just uh, really reaching out as much as we can while we can. We know the days are short, the days are evil. And so we must, we must, all of us must be about our father's business. Keep looking up. Yes. And Mike, if nice. I, if I could for a moment, you know, as I was touring the, the studios there for the first time, you know, I, I see them visually, uh, you're, you're there in the studio and so forth, but uh, to tour the studios and all the, uh, the technical equipment and all the things going on there, I think, uh, you know, as you guys are looking forward to getting on, uh, having like close to 500, uh, uh, stations, translator stations all together uh, going on. I just like to encourage the people out there. You, you're going to support a good work if you decide to be, uh, I know it's been called tower keepers and so forth, and you're going to support a good work. I like to encourage the folks out there listening that uh, get on board and support the work of uh, CSN. It, it's a tremendous outreach of discipleship and soul winning, and just want to encourage. Mike did not ask me to say these things. I'm saying it from my heart, and uh, I know the Lord will bless as we are all we are all involved in this great work. So, Mike, just Amen. a little little something to say thank you for the good work in the kingdom of God. Well, I appreciate that, Daryl, and for everybody that supports and prays for CSN, so important in these days. Yes. Something we could never do individually, we can do together. Uh, nobody's uh, buying Learjets here or, uh, <laughs> no. you know, driving Rolls Royces or anything like that. We're just a, a bunch of Christians that love Jesus, trying to do something that— uh, really um uh is is kind of unprecedented you know i don't know how many people when, when you listen to csn you realize how we don't beg for money we don't have begathons we don't uh, you know you know please keep jesus out of the breadline jesus <laughs> is so poor right now and he's on yes. welfare and we're turning to you christians to really help us keep jesus out off of off of welfare no we don't do that we don't want no. to misrepresent our king in any way and again, we just trust God will put on all of our hearts um, what to do in these days to get the gospel out. You know, so many churches today are not preaching the gospel anymore. They're 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 preaching, um, uh, you know, self motivation, uh, self realization, um, motivational teaching, all these things. 
It's not the Bible. And we're all called in these last days to preach the word, be incident in season and out of season. And, you know, friends, I just want to tell all of you that we could never do this without all of us together doing what we do for God. I don't know how much time we got left. You know, every time I I listen to the 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 news, how distorted it is. Every time I listen to to the the reports on crime, I listen to all the things that are really destroying America as quickly as they can. I realize we may not have a lot of time to do what we do. So while we're here, let's be noisy sunbeams for Jesus. I mean, you know, the Bible says we're salt and light. So we want to be really, really noisy light to let our King know, let the world know uh, that he's coming back soon. And I think that's so important in the days that we're in. You know, Daryl, I appreciate you too. And again, thank you for coming and sharing last Sunday morning. You know, uh, Mike, as we look to these last days, we see what's happening with Israel, of course, and the uh, the IDF going into Gaza, what's taking place as they go to that uh, Shifa hospital there. And yeah, what did they find, find all, there? Finding all the weapons uh, throughout the hospital, uh, computers with the attack plans and different things that were going on, and plus other things with tunnels that are all over the place there. Uh, they also found 200 dead bodies. Just they just came out in the news about 15, 20 minutes ago. Wait now, uh, Daryl. Daryl, wait. I, I I just I just have to, to have to correct you here because the American news media said <laughs> there was just a little bag of uh, there was one one rifle and few rounds. Oh my gosh! There. Uh, Big lie, All kinds everybody. of weaponry uh, from They're... rocket launchers, other things in, in the children's places and so forth. You know, it's it's interesting. They just found 200 dead bodies in the basement. Now, one of them was identified as one of the hostages. Uh, they're going to go through the process of trying to identify these other 200 bodies. We hope and pray it's not the rest of the hostages. We don't know who they are as of yet. That news has not come out. And... uh you know, using these hospitals, which is against, of course, the Geneva Convention, all these things which Hamas and the terrorists never follow. Uh, they don't care. Uh, and, and then, uh, and then, you know, you had this beautiful, peaceful uh, protest, uh, or, or in support of Israel. It wasn't really a protest. It was just in pro-Israel rally at the, uh, Washington DC there at the Capitol and, and 300,000, very peaceful, uh, no violence, nothing like that. Uh, and just orderly and so forth. And then you have 150, uh, pro-Palestinian demonstrators trying to break into the DNC headquarters there at uh, Washington, D.C. They have to call in all the police and break up the, the riot that was taking place. Uh, who do you want in your country? You know, really. Uh, and so as we see Israel uh, fighting for its survival, once again, uh, we are pro, you know, we're very pro anybody to be saved. Amen. But God says, I'll bless the nation that blesses Israel. I'll curse the nation that curses Israel. And all these terrorists and what they're trying to do, their day is coming. Their day is coming because God will, Israel is the apple of his eye, these people and uh, the Jewish people, beautiful people. And God's going to have his day with the, the terrorists. So as he did with Saddam Hussein and others from Adolf Hitler and on, they never win. God is in control. Mike, I'll give it back to you. Amen. No, it's true. Let's go to the phones. We have Ron on the line in Prescott, Arizona. Hi and welcome. Hello. Hi, Ron. Hey, pastors. Um, Mike and Daryl. Um, will the rapture take place before the Gog-Magog war starts? I believe the rapture can come at any time. Uh, there's nothing that would, would say that the rapture comes before or after the Ezekiel 38-39 war. Um, and again, even, even, uh, the early church was looking for the Lord's return back then. Uh, and, um, again, as we study in the gospels, Jesus said that you'd be counted worthy to escape all these things, all these things that are going to come upon the world in the tribulation period and to stand before the son of man. And we find that verse fulfilled there in Revelation chapter 5, where everybody's standing before the Lord, you know, um, uh, who's redeemed us from every tribe, kindred, and tongue. Oh, so much better to be there. But uh, as far as the exact timing of the rapture, we don't know. It could be before Ezekiel 38, 39. It could be, I, I believe absolutely it is before the tribulation period. 
uh, which has not yet started. Uh, it starts with a treaty signed with Israel, according to Daniel 9. And uh, for seven years, this initiates this uh, rule of a world uh, governing empire headed up by the Antichrist. Now, the Ezekiel 38-39 war, I believe, is before before the seven-year tribulation period of time, and um, it is verified in Ezekiel chapter 39, where it says, and they'll be burning the weapons for seven years. There is no way they're going to be burning weapons during the millennial reign of Christ when the Bible says, Jesus said, behold, I make all things new. And so I don't believe that there will be um, any weapons burning during the millennial reign of Christ. So therefore, the Ezekiel 38-39 war has to be before the tribulation period. And very possibly, this Ezekiel 38-39 war is what helps sets up the world for a one-world order. So when the rapture comes, I don't know. Now, something we all need to remember is this. The rapture does not start the tribulation period. The tribulation period um, starts with a treaty signed, and he will make a covenant with Israel, it tells us in Daniel chapter 9. That's what starts it. Now, how much time there will be between, as an example, uh, the rapture and the Ezekiel 38-39 war or after, we don't know. How much time after the Ezekiel 38-39 war before the rapture? We don't know. How much time is? We don't know. But we do know that God in his word, and uh, Daryl, I listened to you twice on CSN uh, on on Sunday, and uh, where you were sharing with the Church of Philadelphia, the Church of Brotherly Love, and Jesus said he would keep us from the hour that will come upon the whole world this this uh this time of of God's wrath being poured out on earth now again as i've shared so many times there's always been wars there's always been famines there's always been these things what makes the tribulation period different than any other of these times well the bible clearly tells us in revelation that these are not brought on by satan trying to destroy man, but these are brought on by God himself trying to get the world to repent from their wickedness. And so it's very clear that the cataclysmic things that happened to this earth during the tribulation period are brought on by God. And it's very clear if you read, it's not random helter-skelter, the world gone mad. It is all graduated. It's all in order based upon revelation, and it's all at God's metering out to cause a God-rejecting world to repent. God's heart is for people to repent today during the tribulation period forever. But people oftentimes, because they love darkness rather than light, will reject that. Daryl, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, as we look to that passage in Revelation 3.10, speaking of uh, Jesus says, I will keep you from the hour of trial that will come upon the whole world, upon all those that dwell on the earth. We are part of, we are a part of the kingdom of God. Uh, we're not earth dwellers any longer. We will go up in the rapture because God will not bring his wrath upon the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ, and Jesus has saved us, and he's going to take us up to heaven. The Bible says, First Thessalonians 4, he'll meet us in the air. First Corinthians 15 says that we're going to be transformed in a twinkle of an eye. This is exciting news for all believers in Jesus Christ. But as you shared, Mike, do, when will the rapture take place? It could happen right now. It could happen tonight. It could happen tomorrow. We don't know. It's, this is what's called the doctrine of the imminent return of Christ. Jesus set it up that way. He says, watch and be ready. Uh, you know not when I'm going to come for you. And we're just ready. We're just ready because we're born again. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're preaching the gospel. And he says to the church of Philadelphia, because you've kept my word, you've not denied my name, I will keep you from the hour of trial that will come upon the whole world. And this is exciting news for us. This is why we must be continuing as pastors, preaching the word of God from Genesis to Revelation and sound biblical doctrine so that the 
the the body of Christ is well uh, discipled in the Word of God, and then we are very we apply what we hear, and we are very active in our world, in in, in local outreach, in uh, missions work across the country and the world, as well as uh, uh, just uh, being those that are soul winners. Well, how's your neighbors? Are they saved? How about a family member? Are they saved? Have you been inviting people to church today? The word of God will not come back void as is preached from the pulpits of, of, uh, of the world. You know, every pulpit needs to be on fire with Jesus Christ, preaching the word of God. My people perish for their lack of knowledge. The Bible declares the word of God is the sword of the spirit that we must use against the wiles of the, de- of the enemy. When will the rapture take place? Could it be today? Yes. Could it be after the Ezekiel war? Possibly. But think about this scenario. What if the rapture took place? That would be a ripe opportunity for the Russia and Persia, and which is Iran, as well as Turkey, along with the Islamic world to invade Israel. Because the world will be in chaos, and that could be their great advantage. But it might not happen. We, the rapture could happen after the Ezekiel War. But what we do know, the alliance is formed today. It is ready to go with Turkey, Russia, and Iran, and the Islamic world, the Islamic nations. And and you also see Saudi Arabia sitting on the side, which the Bible says there in Ezekiel 38, that they'll sit on the sidelines. Why? They want to protect their oil. They want to protect their kingdom. They don't want to get them in some bloody war and have their oil uh, uh, profits uh, destroyed before their very eyes. And you have the Sunni Muslims, the Shiite Muslims, which is Iran, and the radical uh, nations. you got 60, 70 Muslims in the southern regions of Russia. And uh, they're very upset about what's happening to Hamas also. And uh, so the the stage is set, my friends, which means what? The Lord is coming soon. Let's be soul winners. Let's be disciples. Let's go for God with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. Mike, I'll give it back to you. Yeah, in Ezekiel chapter 38, uh, Saudi Arabia is Sheba and Dedan. If you see that, so you'll know what basic region that is. Persia, of course, is Iran, Iraq and and uh, Afghanistan part of Afghanistan so and they are one of the principal players as well as Russia that come against Israel in the last days the land of the unwalled villages could this battle that we're seeing right now in Israel turn into the Ezekiel 38 war possibly but it doesn't look like it's going to be that way possibly right now and it may be that Israel gets a break and then they're going to regroup with a much better plan and very possibly without the church being here. Hope that answers it for you, Ron. Thank you very much, pastors. God bless you, Ron. Stay in line. I want to send you out a uh, special that we have right now, uh, courtesy of uh, Chuck Missler Ministries on the Book of Revelation. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. Stay in line. We'll get that to you. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Emma, Laramie, Wyoming. Hi, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I am calling in regards to the last caller on on yesterday's program. Um, I believe it was Peter from Sitka. Uh, And he had a question for y'all about portraits of Jesus. And y'all took it in the direction of what we know from the Bible and what we glean about Jesus's appearance from the Bible. Um, And I'm a have a PhD in art history. So I wanted to fill out that picture a little bit more, um, just from a historical perspective. Uh, and it's actually uh, a question that I get from my students a lot is why is Jesus like blonde, like a Northern European? And the answer is like, he isn't always represented that way. The earliest images we have of Jesus are right. not portraits. Mm-hmm. They are representations of him. Um, and we don't really get them until, you know, several hundred years after his death. But if you look at like early Chinese art, early Chinese Christian art, um, before when we still had Chinese Christian art, um, Christ is represented the same as all of the Chinese figures. Um, so if you look at Ethiopian Christian art, he's represented as an Ethiopian. Uh, so it's really the way in which Christ is depicted in each of these cultural traditions and visual traditions is just in keeping with what those people are used to and what they know. So we, as sort of inheritors of the Western European tradition, um, for whatever reason, this image of a blonde Jesus has proliferated in a lot of places. 
Um, but it's really, none of these are portraits in the sense that we think about them today. They're just telling us sort of about his, who he is as his character. So because we know that Jesus is the son of God and he's wonderful and he's perfect, um, he's represented as this very handsome man in the beauty ideals of whatever culture he's shown in. So Yeah, the, the Fabio of, of Europe. So. You know, uh, but, uh, that, but that that is true. And yeah, your thoughts. Well, yeah, and I believe this is why God in his perfection, we, we don't have any descriptions uh, of Jesus as he walked the earth. And then you have some descriptions of his woolen hair in the book of Revelation, so forth, flames of fire, his eyes are a flame of fire and so forth. But that, that's uh, speaking of his judgment and, and of his of his of his glory and of his wisdom and so forth. But you don't have a physical description of Jesus in the Gospels. And why 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 didn't one of the writers just say, hey, he's got these color eyes, he's got this type of olive skin, whatever. We know he's Jewish. OK, that's without a doubt. And uh, uh, born of Joseph, uh, born of Mary, rather. Tribe of uh, yeah. And tribe of Judah. Exactly. And so the lineage through David. So this is what we discover in the scriptures. And why did God do this? Because he knows that we'll worship a particular person with a particular skin color or eye color or what a hair color, whatever it is, uh, because uh, of the sinfulness of, a, of our man, of our humanity. And so God just left it as is. Here's the son of God. He's, his name is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Uh, he is a flesh and body and, and bone and so forth. He lived, he died on the cross, he rose from the grave, and God, God's, wisdom, God's way of laying things out for us is absolutely perfect, so that we don't get caught up in this race is better than this race. We're all of the human race. I love what Paul says in the book of Acts. He says, we're all of the same blood. We all bleed the same. We've all come from the original parents, Adam and Eve. Jesus conceived, of course, by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. Mike, I'll give it back to you. Yeah, hope that helps. I think we lost Emma. Did we lose you, Emma? Oh, you're there. I'm here. (laughs) So anyway, dear, well, no, that's true. And like I said yesterday, uh, when Jesus was at Nazareth and he was reading out of the Old Testament, and he said, these things have come true in your ears. And they said, only the Messiah could fill that. And they went to push him off the cliff. And the Bible says he disappeared into the crowd. And that tells me he looked like the other Jewish people of the day, uh, that they get the one with the halo or, you know, get the one that glows in the dark or get the blonde one. No, none of those things. It, he disappeared into the crowd. And so based upon scripture, and that's really our only basis that we know that he, uh, as the Bible says, there was nothing in him, no comeliness that we would desire him. In other words, he wasn't the Fabio. He wasn't the, the, you know, the Rock Hudson of the day or the, you know, some, some movie star kind of person. He, he was just a person that was born. It isn't because of what he looks like that was so important. It's for what he lived like and died for us. So Emma, I hope that helps. Yeah, for sure. And I really liked that observation that you made about him disappearing into the crowd because I never thought about that but you're it makes perfect sense you're absolutely right so thank you god bless you Emma and I'm so glad you you've called and um I want to send you the uh, Chuck Missler special on uh, revelation as well I only have a couple of them and I'll send you one so I want to thank you for calling in today and we're going to do more of that on the other side of the break we're coming up on right now so we'll be back right after If you this. are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. 
I was like, oh, wow. When this young mom came into a preborn clinic, she was confused with nowhere to turn. After meeting with the preborn counselors and seeing her baby on ultrasound, she chose life. If I hadn't saw the ultrasound, it would have been a totally different picture. And I think about this when I look at my daughter, I start tearing up. She will never be here. Preborn's network of clinics are there for moms in crisis, offering love, support, and free ultrasounds. When a young mother in crisis meets her baby on ultrasound, life becomes very real, and 80% of the time, she will choose life. Through love and compassion, Preborn celebrates the over 200,000 babies' lives who have been rescued. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. And we want to welcome you back to part two of To Every Man and Answer. And we're here with Daryl Skinner from Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, Honolulu, Hawaii. And um, let's go to Bill, Gainesville, Georgia. Hi, welcome. Hey, how y'all doing? Good. How may we help? I'm doing good. I got a couple of questions. You may have touched on this earlier about when is Armageddon? I can't. I've always thought it was after the tribulation. And then You're right. You mentioned seven years, and I'm like, wait a minute. That threw me off. And uh, then the second question is, during the thousand-year reign, Will there be two groups of people, us, who have immortality at that point in time, and then others that made it through the tribulation that uh, are born and die? And, you know, so are there two groups? Bill, it sounds like you've been reading your Bible, and yes, you're right. And uh, certainly we will be the enforcers of God's uh, eternal kingdom, um, as well as when you ask the question, when is the Battle of Armageddon? It is the end of at the tribulation period, where the kings of the east, the Bible tells us uh, 2,000, 200 million, excuse me, come, and it's uh, the kings of the east. The word in the original is the kings of the land of the rising sun. So I would perceive that this is probably the Chinese army, and of course the rich resources that are there in the Middle East, uh, oil and all who controls really that region is going to control the oil. And as they come there in this final battle, uh, the Bible, Bible tells us there in the Valley of Megiddo, it's going to be a real, real bloodbath. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, as we look to Armageddon, it'll be the gathering of all the Antichrist forces and all the nations of the world, along with the, the Chinese army and so forth. And they will gather. They'll turn their weaponry against the Lord Jesus Christ as he's coming, coming to redeem Israel. Uh, it's going to be a bloody, bloody battle, and the Lord will take care of business with all of his enemies, and his 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 garments will be red, uh, so to, as the Bible describes it, and he'll go to uh, probably uh, Basra to gather his the children of Israel from there. Probably it could be hidden in the rock city of Petra, protected there, I should say, not hidden, but protected by God over there as they, as they are required to flee Jerusalem at the midway point of the Great Tribulation period. And then, of course, at the end of the three and a half, next three and a half years will be the return of Jesus Christ. And by the way, it's very interesting that the Bible says it'll be exactly 1260 days from the abomination that makes desolate, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet and Jesus in Matthew 24. So the, you'll know to the very day when the Lord is going to return, uh, it's 1260 days. Which is, which is, which now says the rapture cannot be at the end of the tribulation period. The rapture is the imminent return of Christ, which means you can come at any time. Nobody knows the day or the hour. But the second return will be exactly 1260 days from the abomination of desolation, which is the midway point of the tribulation period. And then the, the Lord will fight against the enemies of God and against his enemies and he'll destroy them. And the Bible says that the valley of Megiddo will be filled up with blood to the horse's bridle. They say it's anywhere between four to six feet high in blood because of the armies of the world will gather. All the nations of the world will be against the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Psalm 2. So it's uh, that's what the Bible says, and it will be, as Mike just shared, 
at the end of the tribulation period. And also, as as also, will there be in the millennial reign of Christ, 1,000-year reign of Christ? As Mike shared, we're going to be spiritual priests on the earth, ministering to those who came through the tribulation without taking the mark of the beast, and they're going to have children and children and children. They'll be under the rulership of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, sitting on the throne of David in Jerusalem. And we're going to be guiding and directing people. But they will. But as you shared, brother, uh, we have a glorified body now. We, we're, we're immortal. Uh, we, we have everlasting life, and we're glorified. We have the mind of Christ, and it's going to be awesome. And we'll see what the Lord does with us during that 1,000-year reign of Christ. It's going to be very exciting. Mike? Bill, I hope that answers it for you. Well, let me ask you this, because you mentioned earlier about we will not see those seven years where they're having to bury those bodies. Is that part of the Armageddon? And no, I'm no. Tra- when, real quick, um, they're not going to be burying bodies for seven years. The Bible says in Ezekiel 39 they'll be burying the bodies for seven months. They will be burning the weapons, the cachet of weapons, probably that the 55 gallon barrels of tank, uh, diesel fuel and the butt stocks off the AK 47s and all those kinds of things. They're going to be burning that for seven years, but the burying of the dead is only for seven months. And when a person finds a dead body, they put a flag by it and professional hazmatted suit. Probably people will come along, pick up the bodies and bury them in what is called the Valley of Hamangog. Now, Hamangog is on the the west side of Jordan by the Sea of Galilee, and that's where they will be burying these bodies, basically an inhabited area. Uh, and the reason they're not to touch them very possibly could either be biological or it could be limited nuclear uh, um, radiation on the bodies. Uh, and it is interesting in the book of Zechariah, it says, They that come against Israel must die. Their tongues consume in the holes, in uh, their eyes consume in the holes in their mouth and their, in their sockets and their tongues in the, in their mouths before they hit the ground. And this is the exact effect a neutron bomb would have. Now, understanding a neutron bomb really just destroys things that have moisture in it. It doesn't really hurt, you know, uh, uh, you know, physical things, buildings and all, but it really, uh, uh, destroys life is what it does. And there would probably be limited nuclear, um, residue on these bodies. And it's interesting to me that there in Ezekiel 38, it very clearly says they are not to touch these bodies, but they're to put a flag by it, and a professional barrier will bury them. And so um, I, I, I think that's kind of an interesting thing, that this way Israel could stop an invading army without destroying all of their uh, uh, resources, their buildings and all. So... um Interesting that uh, the Bible outlines this uh, uh, that way. Uh, any other thoughts there, Daryl? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'll read the last verse of Ezekiel 38, where God brings his judgment against these invading armies there in the Ezekiel War. And it says this, I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence. Interesting, with pestilence and bloodshed, I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus, I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. This is God's work in the last days. And this is that Ezekiel war that we're talking about. And it says there's going to be flooding rain and great hailstones and fire and brimstone, which is usually caused by uh, tremendous uh, earthquakes or uh, volcanic eruptions. And I did some research. There's about five or six dormant volcanoes in the region where the Ezekiel war is going to take place. And the Bible says previously, and if I read a verse upwards, it says there's going to be a great earthquake 
that's going to take place in the region as God fights for the children of Israel. So you see pestilence, you see the earthquake, you see these uh, these judgments and all and so forth. So and and we know that there's biological weaponry up there in Syria and so on, as well as uh, as Mike shared about the neutron bomb and so forth. So uh, uh, you know, it's only in these days could you write something like this and explain what's going to happen uh, for uh, for the the last days with all the technology, all the chemical warfare that we have today. It's uh, the Bible is our, our faith is built on facts. I always tell people that our faith is always built on facts. So, Mike, I'll give it back to you. Well, and again, amazingly, how well Ezekiel did his best to explain what our modern warfare can do. And Zechariah saying the tongue, their tongues consume in their mouth, the eyes and the holes in their socket before they hit the ground. I mean, incredible. Who would ever have believed anything like that could even be possible? And yet now with modern warfare and understanding what even natural things, as you mentioned, Daryl, could affect a human body, uh, incredible things that await in the last days. Hope that helps, Bill. That does. Can I do a quick follow-up on the millennial? Yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, during the millennial reign, will the uh, will we see or be uh, observe the seven months of burying dead bodies? And number two, um, I'm an optometrist in Gainesville, Georgia. Will I have an optometry office during the millennial reign, or do we have any clue <laughs> as to what will happen? No. No, you're you're you'll be ruling and reigning with Christ, um, and uh, the bearing of the bodies, um, I believe, is before the tribulation period. Um, very clearly, the Bible says they'll be burning the weapons for seven years. They'll be burying the bodies for seven months, and they're not going to be doing burning weapons into the millennial reign of Christ. So the Ezekiel thirty-eight thirty-nine war has to be based on God's Word before the tribulation period. There's no way around it. So, um, again, uh, Jesus says in Revelation 21, Behold, I make all things new. The world is so badly damaged. The ecological system of the world is so bad that he has to make it new again. He has to restore it back to the way it was in the garden. And so I believe that because of that, you're not going to have a bunch of old smoky burning uh, oil and all that kind of stuff because God's going to restore the earth back to the way it was in the garden. Man's longevity will go back to almost a thousand years. It's going to be a complete thing. So the burying of the bodies is before the tribulation begins. The Ezekiel 38-39 war has to be before the seven-year tribulation period based upon them burning the weapons for seven years, the rapture can come at any time. And I definitely believe it is before the tribulation begins. Hope that answers it for you. Yeah, I'm just curious. The war before, the one the war you're talking about, is it before or after the rapture? Or do we know? Don't know. We don't we know. Don't know. And, and uh, it may very well be possible. The church is gone. The world is in such a chaotic state that this, uh, gives the encouragement for Russia and these um, Islamic countries to come against Israel. Uh, it may very well be that we'll be here to see this to point people to the Bible to say, "Look, this is the this is the war." Now, I cannot say that about what's going on in Israel right now. The countries have not lined up the way the Bible says it will be for the Ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine war. However. When it does line up, it will be very clear, and you're going to see Russia coupled with Persia, Ethiopia, uh, Libya, the Balkan states, mm-hmm. uh, again, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Persia, Turkey, uh, 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 Turkey um, but not Egypt and not Saudi Arabia, curiously enough. That's what the Bible says. So we just take God's word as what it says. Bill, hope that helps. It does. Must be two wars, one somewhere on either side of the rapture, then one at the end of the tribulation. Well, there's only one that we know of for sure, and that's going to be uh, uh, before the tribulation, and that's the Ezekiel 38-39 war, um, very possibly engaging in the uh, Psalms 83 war as well, the destruction 
of Damascus, Syria, uh, which it will not be re-inhabited. Um, uh, but other than that, you've got just these two uh, pending wars in the Middle East against Israel that uh, is is the biblical concern. So uh, stay on line, Bill. We'll send you out some things I think you'll really enjoy, and I uh, hope that answered it for you. Let's go to Thon, Carson City, Nevada. Hi, and welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. How may we help? Uh, I have a question concerning uh, the Ark of the Covenant. I was uh, doing a study on that, and um, in Exodus 37.1, it says that uh, Bezali, uh made the Ark um, and everything that pretty much goes in the tabernacle. But as farther down, when I read in Deuteronomy 10.1, um, the Lord commanded Moses to hew two stones and to make uh, an ark, and that he put those stones in that ark. Is that the same ark, or is that a temporary ark, or uh, is it overlapping? Or I, I don't understand what they're... Yeah, Daryl, your, your thoughts. Was that just a, a, a something to contain the the ark, uh, uh, the Ten Commandments, then to be put in the ark? Because the ark, uh, the Bible says, was made of acacia wood overlaid with gold and all. Your thoughts? Well, I think Deuteronomy 10 will answer our question. The Lord spoke to, to Moses to chisel out two stones tablets like the first ones. Come up to me on the mountain, also make a wooden chest. I'll write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Then you put them in the chest. So I made the ark of acacia wood, chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I went up to the mountain with the two tablets in my hands. The Lord wrote on the tablets and so forth and so on. And so that, that's a, a, a as we see them as as a separate chest, they called it a, a, an ark. But is that the ark of fully the ark of the covenant? They'll ultimately end up in that ark of the covenant, I believe. Mike. Yes, and so basically, it was its carrying case, um, and um, uh, no doubt important because again, the stones banging against one another. It was a way that they preserved that. Hope that helps. Yes, it does. Thank you. Yeah, go to Deuteronomy ten. That'll help you out. Yeah, and uh, stay on the line, Thon. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. And with that, we'll go to David in Los Osos, California. Hi, and welcome. Hi, how you doing? Good. How may we help? Well, I got a question. Uh, let's say a person's a born-again Christian, truly a Christian, and they talks about the, the ten bridesmaids and five were left behind because they weren't ready. What if someone is a born-again Christian and really backslidden? I just wonder, not just a little, not a little, not just like doing a sin, but actually, you know, backslidden. Are they going to, can they possibly miss the rapture? I believe that that would be true. Otherwise, Jesus was shucking and jiving all of us in saying, watch and be ready. If it really doesn't matter then who cares? I don't think, again, Jesus said uh, he's coming as a thief. Behold, he comes quickly. His reward is with him. Um, uh, Watch and be ready. If this is not uh, um, obviously means what it says, honestly, I haven't got a clue what Jesus is talking about when he says watch and be ready. To say, well, hey, you know, you can be partying down. You're still going to go in the rapture. Don't worry about it. Uh, That is not in the Bible. Uh, We find, again, the last chapter of 2 Timothy, where in chapter 4, Paul says, Demas, having loved this present world, has departed. In the Greek, it says he's departed from the Lord. Then we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, these that practice such lifestyles will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he lists them. And generally speaking, it is the lifestyle of people that are un, unrepented, uh, uh, basically, of the world. But then he's writing this. Again, we have to look. This is written by Paul to a church, not to a brothel, not to a bar, but to a church. Do not be deceived. Evidently, there were people that had come in the church, as I believe they're coming into the church today, 
saying, oh, once you accept Jesus, climb to the top. It doesn't matter. Just live your life. You know, God's grace covers everything and party on dudes. I don't find that in the scripture. Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 24, the last five or so verses, he says that evil servant says in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. Now, very clearly, it is speaking about a servant-master relationship. My master delays his coming. He eats and drinks with the drunken. He beats his fellow man. He's a violent drunk, claiming to have a relationship with God. My Lord delays his coming. Jesus goes on and says, the Lord of that servant. Now, Jesus is not the Lord of every servant, friends. They're called children of the devil, and we find them all the way through the Bible. The Lord of that servant, Matthew chapter 24, the words of Jesus. I know he's not much of an authority in the church anymore, but this is what he said. He said he will get his portion with the hypocrites and be cast out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I've heard Bible teachers saying, well, that's not really hell. Oh, yes, it is. There is no reference anywhere in the Bible where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth that is not referred to as hell. Now, weeping because they missed God's taking. That, as Jesus said, my Lord delays his coming. Gnashing your teeth, though, is not going, oh, woe is me, the pain is so great, and I'm gritting my teeth. No, gnashing your teeth in the Hebrew culture was the equivalent of sticking your middle finger up at somebody that just cut you off on the freeway. It was a facial sign, a personal sign of hatred. If even today, if you look at Hamas videos and what, you'll see them. At first, it looks like they're smiling, but they're not. They're gnashing their teeth. They look at you, show their teeth, and grind their teeth. That is called gnashing of teeth. And it is a facial sign of hatred. Isn't it interesting that there'll be a place of weeping because they miss God's best, and yet dying in their fallen condition, grinding their teeth at God? I look at this as very, very serious. And again, we find it in Galatians as well. You find it in the book. The entire book of of Jude is about this very topic. And then Jesus even goes farther in Revelation chapter 3 concerning the Laodicean church of getting their name blotted out of the book of life. Those are people who knew God, who walked away from God, got their name blotted out. If it doesn't obviously mean what it says, friends, I don't have a clue what it means. Oh, but Mike, that goes against our our, our church dogma and our, our ideas. Your church dogma and ideas are wrong. Because Jesus goes on and says in Revelation 22, those that take away the words from this book I will take your name away from the book of life. In order to get into the book of life, you had to be born again. Oh, but our church teaches everybody's in the book of life. And, and, and you do something bad and gets you, that gets you out of the book of life. Oh, really? Well, if that's true, then the idea and the Bible teaching of original sin is not true. You can't have it both ways, friends. And this is one of the great problems when people get into their little dogma stints because they don't look at the entirety of God's word. This is where the problems come in. When Jesus said, you can get your name blotted out of the book of life, friends, I take that extremely serious. And don't think I'm going to change what the book of Revelation says. I read what happens to people that do. So I believe that, again, we're as eternally secure in Christ as we want to be. But if you think heaven is an everlasting kager with your drunk buddies, friends, you're into a big, big problem because it's where Jesus is worshiped forever. And if you don't want to do that here, you're not going to want to do it through all of eternity. So the real question is, you know, what if a person was really saved and then he walked away? The question is, if you died today, would you be at home in heaven? I know people that say, I don't want to be around those Christians. I don't want to go to church, sing worship songs. No, I don't want to do that. I'm a Christian, but I don't want to do any of that. What do you think heaven is? Your thoughts, Daryl? 
You know, Revelation 21.8 says, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers was taken of illicit drugs, idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Uh, you know, either you live for the Lord or you don't live for the Lord. If you don't want to live for the Lord, then you choose your destiny. And uh, as you are born again Christian, you're filled with the spirit of truth. You want to live according to the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and you're not perfect. We all know that. But you're not going to keep living that the sinful lifestyle of practicing darkness and evil and wickedness and immorality that you once practiced before you were saved. There has to be repentance, which means that's the real proof that there's real faith in your heart and your life. We all make mistakes. God's grace covers us. But if you want to go back to that lifestyle and practice those things, it means that's your lifestyle, then so be it. That's a lukewarm person. Mike? Yeah, and 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 I remember what Chuck Smith always used to say. He said, I do not want to live my life in a question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, people say, well, you know, will they still go to heaven? I don't know. There's verses that say, well, you know, you, you like that lifestyle. You're not going to inherit heaven. We know God's mercy endures forever. It's the condition of the heart. Always repent, my friends. Always repent and get right with God. Amen. David, we're out of time. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs for everybody else. Please call us back. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. Thanks, Daryl, for being on today. Sure. God bless. God bless you all. Keep looking up. Our redemption draws nine. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 